This is Camp Life, The Other Side. A bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kelly Cook and Natalie Hamilton. Now it's time to explore the other side of summer camp. Welcome back to the Scamp Life, The Other Side podcast. It has been a little while since we have uh, been on the air, I guess. And it's we've been pretty busy getting ready for our following summer. Uh, but today's episode, we are we have brought back some familiar guests. Uh, they were part of uh, the first year director interview for Overnight Camping, which was, I believe, our last episode before we broke for the summer. Mm-hmm. So let's welcome back Sammy and Jonathan. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Ah, happy to be back. Awesome. So I've still got Natalie with me, which is awesome. Last episode, she was, man, you were all over the place traveling. Cause I think the last episode we yeah. recorded was October. So yeah, I was, I had a wedding to go to I was on vacation and I got sick and I've just kind of been here, there and everywhere. So happy to actually be back in the groove at this point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, Sammy and Jonathan, if you guys could just kind of reintroduce yourself um, in case someone has not listened to the past episode. Uh, but yeah, just reintroduce yourselves to the world, I guess. Yeah, I'm Sammy. I am. I work for Muscular Distribution Association. My official title is Specialist of Recreation Programs. Uh, but I am a summer camp director for three of our camp locations. And again, my name is John and I am a camp director at Camp Kadish, which is a Christian camp located in Northern Saskatchewan, Canada. Awesome. So why don't we kind of just jump right into it and Sammy, let's go and start with you and just give us a, you know, very quick kind of recap and overview of how your first summer went at uh, your, your new camp this past summer. Yeah, um, when I was thinking about it, I think the best way to describe it is like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like there were some really good moments and I have tried my best to like write all of those down so that I remember that they exist when I think back on the summer. Uh, but there were also a lot of really big challenges um, and I grew a lot. Um, out of the three sessions I was supposed to run, only two of them ended up happening because of staffing challenges, which was a big bummer. Um, but the two that happened were really great. The kids had a really great time. And that's the number one thing I wanted to happen. Um, and I'm excited to take what I've learned from the summer and go forward from there. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, I remember in the last episode, that was one of your biggest struggles that you were working on is because you guys run pretty much 100% on volunteers. Isn't that correct? Yeah. So our yeah. programs are entirely volunteer staffed, except for myself and one other person. Yeah, you're at least able to get two of them going. That's awesome. All right, Jonathan, what about you? Give us a quick quick recap of how your summer went. Uh, my summer was difficult. Um, there are a few contributing factors to that, uh, but it was mostly around staff morale. Um, there was lots of gossip, uh, and which it probably isn't that uncommon uh, in camp, uh, but then also like bullying among our staff and just more like grumpy than years past. And so it was our first time running a full spring and summer program since COVID. And I think we just realized that uh, like teenagers and young adults aren't the same post COVID. And so we lived through that. So, yeah. All right. So I know you guys kind of touched on challenges in your, in your recap. So Sammy, why don't you start? What was something that was 
an unexpected challenge and how did you kind of overcome that? Um, when I first looked at this question, I was like, oh, definitely dealing with like challenging parents. And then I looked back at what I said in the first episode and that is what I said I was like nervous about. So clearly not that unexpected. Um, but I think it was just, like all of the little things that were like, so say like my circus and my monkeys that I hadn't thought about as a camp director. So like I needed to transport some hospital beds to camp and I had to rent and drive a 15 foot box truck around the city of Atlanta. Um, so it was like a challenge I wasn't expecting, not a skill I was thinking I would learn over the summer. Um, and also just like handling camper behaviors. I didn't realize like how many of them would make their way up to me as a director and I'd have staff coming to me for the answers and it's not exactly something that's my strong suit. So kind of having to handle those different things. Um, so there's a lot of calling my manager and kind of asking for advice and troubleshooting things with other camp directors and just trying to handle those situations one thing at a time, but there wasn't much I could do to prepare for them because I had no idea they were coming. I will say one thing that um, I have learned this many years in camp is the variety of vehicles in all different stages of usability and not that you get to drive in your camp career. A 15-foot box truck is going to set you up real real well for future endeavors, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, for me heading into summer, uh, and, and I, I briefly talked about it in our last, last podcast, um, but I was worried about learning like the camp culture and program specifically. I worked at a camp uh, before where I was a program specialist. And so I was worried about all the things that I was not a specialist in in previous camps. And so I thought that was going to be my biggest challenge, but it definitely was not. This was my first time being a boss to teenagers and young adults. Uh, I've been a pastor, I've been a teacher, I've been a youth worker. And, I, and in all of those settings, I had great relationships with them. Uh, it's very different being a boss. You can still have a great relationship, but it's a very different type of relationship. And so uh, that was definitely a challenge that I was not expecting. Yeah, I would say that was my biggest thing. And just realizing that suddenly now, because I'm their boss, I'm intimidating. Even though I think I'm the least intimidating person uh, ever. Uh, but yeah, suddenly I'm boss and so I'm scary. Yeah, that, that's always a, a hard transition to make, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, so let's flip this, the other side of the coin. What were some of the big successes you guys had this summer? I think for me, it was one, just a big shift in confidence. At the beginning of the summer, I was definitely not confident in my ability as a director, um, had so many questions, wanted to be doing things the right way, like didn't want to really take risks and mess things up. And by the end of the summer, I'd like, come more into my own on like how I want to do things um, and like confident and like how I like to run a camp and even if that's different than the way other people do it uh, kind of knowing how I like things done um, and the other success for me was just being present at camp I really tried to make time to like be in camp and spend time with the campers and be a part of the big activities and uh, really made that a priority when I was thinking about my weeks at camp and so um, I think that was a big success for me because it kept me like in camp and made me want to still be there. I think if I had let myself get too caught up in like the negatives or the paperwork or the administrative side of things, I wouldn't have enjoyed my summer as much. Um, for me, I, I had a really hard time thinking about this actually. I said from like little fun moments with kids, my, biz my biggest success was not sinking. 
I was told kind of going into being a camp director, you'll sink or you'll swim, or you'll sink or swim. And I don't know if I was swimming, but I, I wasn't underwater. So I would say that sounds very negative, but I had a few moments through summer where I was definitely ready to quit and just feel, felt like burnt out of trying to be a, like, I don't know if people pleaser is the right word, but trying to win staff over uh, being a new camp director, it's hard. And the camp director before me went through the whole process here. He was a camper. He did the leadership program. He was a cabin leader. He was a program coordinator. He went through it all. Um, And so, so it was, it was hard, but I persevered and I made it through. And so I would say that was my biggest success. And next summer will be easier because you've already had a year there. So it, I, I, I had a, I had a similar situation. The, my, my first year as a, as a director, the person before me and the executive director before me, so the camp director and the exec both had been there for 10 plus years. And so everybody who worked for me was used to them. And so now here I came in and I started at 23 years old. So here I am also, in addition to that, not much older than the staff I'm, you know, I'm supervising and the level of respect from the staff was probably the hardest to earn. Um, and it took a full year to get there. So I wasn't, I got hired late, so I didn't even get to hire my first year staff. And so by being able to hire my my team the next year definitely helped in in that aspect but also too just kind of going in with a clean slate the following year um and just kind of being like okay it's it's us like it it's you know you're here and you you are now the director so it it is tough to fill shoes that big coming into your first year especially as a first year director not just the coming in as a you know first you know coming in after someone like that but coming in after someone like that, and it's your first year and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And yes, there is a, there, I feel like there is an element of people pleasing or trying to win over that staff and you're not going to win them all over. They'll weed themselves out. Those who were strictly, strictly loyal to, uh, to the previous director will weed themselves out. Or if they really weren't a good fit for you and they just didn't respect you, you can weed them out yourselves the following year. So it does, it does get better. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yep. I was in a very similar situation as Kelly, same thing. The person I replaced my first year had been there for 20 plus years and they definitely thought of her as more of like a second mother, second mom type of person to them. Um, And you do get wrapped up in it. And the one thing that I had to learn and still struggle with this to this day. And it's something that I've really strived going forward as well to not put myself in that position is finding the people who are loyal to the camp, mm-hmm. not the person. And that's a, that is a very hard thing. You'll find lots of people who are very loyal to individual people at camp, but their true loyalty lies just in that person, not the camp. And those aren't necessarily the people that you want to have around. You want to have those people who are going to be there and want to see camp benefit, camp grow, um, focus that loyalty on camp, not necessarily you as a person. Um, And it does, it gets easier. You're going to help weed those people out. And that's a culture that you can help grow and cultivate is put yourself in that position to where you can still have a good relationship with them. Obviously, you can still be very close with them. But your loyalties, your, you know, your strive to go forward and get better is geared towards camp, not just yourself personally. So the big, the big question that I think everybody is asking all camp directors, regardless of how 
long you've been here. And so I figured we'd throw it in there just because, I mean, I'm ex- I have an idea <laughs> of what your answers might entail. Uh, Sammy, you kind of already hinted at, you know, you only were able to run two out of three of your, your programs. So uh, how did staffing go for everyone this summer? Not great. Two of my locations, it came together by quite literally like a miracle. Um, so I ran Arizona, Georgia, and was supposed to run one in Pittsburgh. Um, my Arizona camp about two weeks before we were like, we do not have the staff. We started our internal communication that we were going to cancel the session and kind of put a plan into place. It was the first camp we were going to run after COVID first program since 2019. And so we're like, you know what, like, this is just too early. We're not going to be able to make it happen. We got verbiage ready. And then somehow like the night before we were going to officially cancel it, got the staffing that we needed. Um, and it like was like a Tuesday morning. Like we were supposed to make the decision by Monday, by the end of the day, but because of time differences between me and our vice president on the East coast and them being in like on the West coast, we didn't make the decision by the end of the day. And that next morning I was like, I think I have the staff I need. Um, I don't know how we've gotten to this point, but like, I think we can do it. Um, and then it was like a game of waiting for the shoe to drop in those like week and a half leading up to camp. Um, so I booked my flight there the Wednesday before I went, like about a week before flying out there. Um, and we were throwing together a camp program in a week, but we had the staff we needed. They all did not test positive for COVID at the gate um, and somehow all showed up and we made camp happen. Um, and then my second camp in Georgia was also a challenge of getting enough volunteers um, and just getting people, just a lot of people drop, people who had been to camp before and signed up and then would pull out at the last minute. Um, and so it was just like getting tighter and tighter. I thought that we had the staff we needed, um, but then thankfully a lot of those volunteers brought other people in, families were helping recruit, and we ended up having enough to run the camp. So that one worked out, um, and Pittsburgh just could not get the staff that it needed to run, and so we unfortunately had to cancel it, which was a really hard decision to make, but you know, you have to do what's best for camp, and you don't want to run a program that, you know, wouldn't be great for the kids. So I had to cancel that one, but hoping that we've built some leads and stuff that that area will do better at recruiting in future years. This question I feel like is relative because some people are like staffing was awful and they were just like one week was short staffed. Um, and then other people have to like cancel a week of camp, right? Or cancel one of the camps. I think overall though, we did better than we thought. Uh, we, we, when we opened up camp, we opened it with less cabins open uh, with the expectation that we wouldn't be able to get enough staff. Even though like, so normally we have like, like many camps, we have a leadership program that feeds our staffing. Uh, so that wasn't running. And so we were expecting to have less and it just worked out that we had like just, just enough for our summer program. Uh, not enough guys. Uh, we had to pull back some cabins in our guys, but that's no surprise I think to anyone that we couldn't get enough guys. And then in our spring program, uh, we actually had one of the largest teams we've ever had, uh, which is really cool. I hustled really, really hard. Um, we have a, we do it something a little bit different, I think, to other camps where our outdoor ed program, because it's so large, we actually hire staff from other camps. So in, in Canada here, 
uh, like May and June is the time to have school groups come and you do outdoor education. And then July and August is summer camp. So we hired staff from camps that only were running July and August programs or just not as large spring programs. So we had like, uh, like five or six staff out of province that would consider other camps their camp home. That really helped us. Uh, and then also our, our last week of camp, we were short and we had a relationship with another camp because of this like exchange that we do and they weren't running camp. So they sent us like six staff, I think for our final week of camp. So I was still hiring like in May, June, July, August, uh, but we, we, we just made it through. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome that you're able to get those partnerships with those other camps to be able to share staff. Um, I know something that we've talked a lot about, and it's definitely been a, a discussion about many camps around here. It's just our seasons don't always line up well um, to be able to do that. But definitely, if you're in an area where that's an option, that's an amazing option for you. I would love to be able to do staff sharing. Uh, we reached out to one camp, I think our first year here. Uh, we didn't end up getting anybody out of it, but they did put out the word because um, they finished. They didn't run any camps in July. And so they were cutting their staff back. And so we still ran in July. So we did reach out to them to see if they'd be willing to send any staff to us. It didn't sound like anybody was interested at that point, which was fine. But I would have loved to, you know, start getting a sharing of staff program for ones that only run a couple weeks. Or if I have to give, you know, or I hire and then I can say, okay, you have a week off here. You have a week off there. Go help out other people. I'd love to do a sharing staff program. Um, so just real quick side note with that, how registration wise for everyone with those struggling challenges, um, you know, what did you, was your registration? Cause both of your camps were the first ones that had run since you guys shut down for COVID. Was it similar to those previous summers numbers? Were you ahead? Were you behind? kind of just kind of what was your registrations looking like yeah we were substantially smaller than um, our footprint in 2019 um, I wasn't with the company back then but they were running about 50 plus sessions across the country this year we ran 19 um, and I know like my Georgia location typically had over 100 kids and we had 29 this summer so much smaller we didn't really push camp for recruitment uh, we're also a free camp so our kids all come for free so we didn't really push camp for recruitment. We shared the information out in emails with our families and um, like shared it with our care center network and things like that, but we didn't push it super hard, which was intentional because we knew that we could barely get the volunteers to staff for the kids that we did have, let alone to try to bring more in and then risk having to cancel the session because we have too many kids. Um, so kind of, kind of dialed it back on that. Yeah, in like February in previous years, like we opened our registration February 1st. Um, in like 2019, the end of February, we were about like 80 to 90% sold out. This year, we were like 40% sold out at that time. We had like one of our weeks, we usually in like a full summer, our max capacity is 143 campers. We had one week this past summer where we just had over uh, like, like just over 50. That was our lowest week. Our numbers were like normal summer would be around 1200 and uh, or like 2019 was around 1200. This summer we had like 900 campers. So but that's not terrible by any means, but I think a lot of camps did intentionally scale back 
intentionally didn't advertise as much um, limited numbers just because we all knew that staffing was, was definitely going to be a challenge that we were all going to be working through. Um, so how did staff training end up going for you guys? I know that was something that kind of both of you had touched on that you were a little, little nervous and unsure about what that was going to actually look like and entail. Yeah, I can't say that it's the thing I'm most proud of from the summer. Um, we have kind of like a set volunteer orientation as an organization that we use. And a lot of it ended up just being me reading from our training manual because there wasn't enough time to make it better. Um, but I'm fortunate that uh, my Arizona camp was staffed almost entirely by occupational therapy students. And so a lot of them had a lot of skills under their belt and didn't need me to necessarily train them as much. Um, and they brought a lot of culture with them because they all were in a cohort at school together. And so that kind of just fell into camp with them. And then my Georgia camp was almost entirely returning volunteers. And so they knew a lot of what they were doing and were capable of kind of taking that with them. And then my facility has its own staff that sort of handle like the culture side of camp and all the activities. So it ended up working out, uh, but it's definitely an area that I want to improve upon for 2023. Uh, well, we had a COVID outbreak during our first uh, session of training and oh, no. the first one to test positive. So that was dandy. Um, so yeah, anyways, our, so our staff training was cut short. Uh, we kind of do it in two blocks, um, like over a long weekend and then just before summer starts. So it was the one, the weekend before, long weekend before that got cut in half. Basically, we were going to do three days and end up being a day and not quite a day and a half. So then that meant that our training going into summer was like, everything was much shortened. It was all program focused. Uh, there wasn't a lot of just like some of the more soft skills of camp. So, and also there was stuff that I was realizing I needed to do that I didn't know. So even some of the times when our program coordinators were out training our staff with different programs, which I was excited to be able to witness, I was in the office getting other things done because I didn't realize that those are things that needed to be done. So uh, not awesome. Uh, we did some video training that went over fairly well. That was something that I introduced. I say it went over well, everyone watched it, but uh it was it's still some staff coming back to me. This is like, what can I do to manage behavior? I'm like, didn't you watch my video on like the TikTok bit? Anyways, so considering COVID was a thing, it wasn't awful, but it definitely was not great. So in our in our first episode, we kind of talked about some different resources you all were using and, and things like that. Have you found any new resources that you would like to share that may have helped you? I don't know if I found anything new, but I'm currently looking to do a youth mental health first aid training. Um, and a lot of places offer it for free. And so there's a few places around me that are running them uh, in January. So trying to get into one of those, I think those would be skills that would be useful that I didn't realize I necessarily needed as a camp director. It's it's very useful in this in this environment now post COVID or I mean, I call it post COVID now for being in Alabama, everybody thinks it's kind of done and over with. Um, but in this, in this post COVID world, like it, I, I have used it more than I thought I ever would. Uh, cause I got that training back 
probably late 2020 or early 2021. Uh, and so I've definitely utilized it a few times this past summer and once or twice the summer before. Uh, so I, yeah, highly recommend that one. Uh, I, I actually took a pause on listening to camp podcasts. I think the last time we did this, I gave a whole list of different camp podcasts that people can go and listen to. And especially cause I've realized I'm a boss, I'm a manager as well as a director uh, so I've been listening to the Radical Candor podcast. Uh, so Radical Candor is just like, it's a, a way of managing teams. Uh, anyways, and there's a book as well that I think is just called Radical Candor. Mm-hmm. But that has been my new podcast that I have been listening to. Any other resources? I mean, I think just continuing to network and talk with people and even having conversations like this, right? And be like, have, you know, other people are having trouble with staffing and all of that, right? Like it's helpful for our own mental health, I think, to know that we're not in it alone. So I would say those would be my things. I will say Radical Candor, the book is phenomenal. And if you are a reader or have a chance to sit down and read it, definitely do. I would say the podcast, if you're not a reader, the podcast is a good option um, because they do talk about certain aspects that are brought up in the book. But that book kicked off my my 2022 books this year and it it was awesome. It was a really good read. It been on my to be read list for a while, and so I'm glad I got around to it. But yeah, I would say that's a really good one for for new managers, uh, just in general. That that idea of radical candor. Yeah, I'm excited to practice it going into year two. So, yeah. All right. So I know we've kind of touched on a little bit of things here and there, but what are just maybe one or two things that you are wanting to truly intentionally plan? on doing different for this upcoming summer for 2023, because it'll be here around the corner before we know it. Yeah, I've been trying to front load more. Uh, I started this job in January and it was very quick, like plow forward until the camp season. So trying to be intentional about the things that I can do now to prepare and um, like obviously enjoying this time, it's a little bit more restful, but getting work done and trying to do all the little things that I couldn't get to because there were like more important things to do at the time. Um, I was just being more intentional about self-care time and making more time for myself in like the weeks leading up to camp. It was like a hundred hours of me just sitting in front of the computer doing work and it wasn't necessarily great for my mental health. And so trying to like schedule in yoga classes every week and booking some vacations in the times where I know that I can do that um, and like spending more time exercising and just doing things that are just for myself and that get me away from my computer even if I come back and work after that so just trying to be more intentional about those things yeah I mean I kind of said it with like talking about radical candor the way I manage is going to change uh, and I think like going into this summer with the idea of like understanding uh, my position and how that affects the relationships around me. We're like, I mean, there's like changes in like gonna change some structure in our staffing. We're hiring a larger like year round staff to be able to manage like our growing year round programs, all those kind of things. We're going to build a zip line, which is really exciting. And the program side, Scamp, the program side, a really good podcast about zip lines and all the fun things that they do to kind of enhance the program. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to do that. So 
think if there's anything else that I would change. I think just trying to get out and be with staff. Uh, I found in the summer, well, I guess leading up to the summer, I was really into the creative stuff. I was thinking about program. I was thinking about like we sell merch in our tuck shop. I was designing stuff. And in this season, that's what I was taking time to do. So this year, like this time around, I'm not spending as much time on that because kids buy a shirt no matter what it looks like. And uh, I'm spending more time in like the smaller things so that I'm not caught up with that in the summer. So, yeah. Cool. Um, so I know, I think it was you, Jonathan, who mentioned in the first episode, like, okay, first year, not making any changes. So what changes, so not necessarily what are you going to, you personally going to do differently, but what maybe major changes are coming to your programs, uh, for this year? I think improving my volunteer interviews is going to be a big one. Um, and like leveling up that process of being more intentional about the questions and getting a better idea of what roles people want at camp. Uh, I think it was challenging for me because I didn't fully know what to expect at camp. And so then to explain that to a volunteer and get a good sense of like where they'll fit into that picture was hard for me. And so that will be a lot different this year. Uh, and then just leveling up like the program team that I do have at camp. Some of my volunteers will sort of serve in that capacity. Um, and being more intentional about who is on that team and the kinds of things that they can do and giving them more ownership to create programs and do more at camp. Um, and then also updating our evaluations protocols. That's the area of camp that I specialize within my team at MBA. And so um, collecting more useful feedback, organizing it so that we can make more actionable change and not just collect information to kind of collect it and give parents a place to vent, but actually using that information to continue to improve um, and better serve our campers and families. Yeah, I mean, I talked about a zip line. Uh, that is something when, when I was interviewing here, they brought me to the camp and I sat down with campers and I was like, if you had a magic wand and you could change anything about camp, what would you change? And they said, we want a zip line. And so I found out that that's been something that the camp, like campers have been wanting for a really long time, as well as staff. Uh, so we're doing a zip line. We're also, we have something called the whipper, which is like a giant swing where they pull a line and then they free fall. Um, we're upgrading that so that two people could go at a time, which helps our programming in the spring because it's hard to get enough kids through in an hour and all that. So I'm hoping that will help with our staff. Our staff, we also had a mud pit, uh, which is kind of like a, kind of like monkey bars going across like a pile of, of mud. It wasn't mud. Uh, like rocky water uh so anyways our spline is going over top of that so that hole is going to be filled and our staff are uh hopefully going to be excited about that we're changing our staff we have a staff room and because of a lot of the negativity we had this past summer a camp director that I worked for i went over for the tim hortons foundation she introduced something when we were there called warm fuzzies uh which is just her way of calling like a way to write nice letters to people uh, so we're calling them woes. So when someone's feeling woe, you can write them a woe, which is a word of encouragement. Um, and so every staff member, we're getting like, uh, kind of like little mailboxes for all of our staff through the whole summer. So there'll be like a hundred mailboxes in our staff room. Uh, and then people can write people woes to encourage them and just trying to create a culture of more, more about encouragement than uh, negative gossip. That's it. I mean, some changes in our staff training and how we talk about different things. Really, I'm trying to make changes that benefit the staff 
um, more so than anything else so that they see that I'm on their side. I guess we're also updating the cabins. Um, and so we're gonna put in some things hopefully to make it a little bit easier as the cabin leader in the cabins. Having like cabin bins and stuff like that because I haven't really had any resources as cabin leaders. I guess there's actually a lot now that I'm naming everything, but uh, when I was thinking about it before, I couldn't think of much, but anyways, so we're just trying to resource them more. Um, the director before me was fantastic. He loved program. And so I'm trying to take more time to focus on our cabin leaders. So what can we do for them to resource them? Cause our program team has a lot and our cabin leaders don't have much. So anyways, that's kind of what I'll, what I plan to do or am doing right now. Um, I said, that's awesome. And the more resources that you're going to be able to provide for all of those levels of staff. And, you know, it's great to start at, you know, your cabin leaders is the one that you're focused on right now. And then next year you'll focus on something else and then something else. And you just keep building and adding um, to give more and more resources for all of those staff. And, and the, the, that's awesome to hear. Um, anything else that you guys wanted to add, whether that be challenges, learning opportunities, highlights, anything else you want to add about your first summers? I learned that I needed to have better rainy day plans, um, which was my first camp was in Arizona. So it was never an issue because it never rains there. Um, and then I went to Georgia and it thunderstormed every single day. And so had to pivot a lot of programming. So that's I've learned that I just need to make a rain plan for every single thing that I'm going to put on that schedule. I think just we all need to pause and the people listening to this podcast need to pause, give themselves a pat on the back. So you did a great job. Even if you didn't feel like it was a great summer, um, you did a great job. And if you're hard on yourself, that's because you're doing a good job. Uh, I think that's that's kind of it anyways. That's what I felt like I needed at the end of my summer uh, was not necessarily more information on how to do things better or what to change, but just that I did do a good job. So yeah, you did a good job. I think that's really important, Jonathan, like just making sure people hear that. So at the end of the podcast, the first time we let you guys ask our advice on, on being a director. So now that you've got a year under your belt, what advice would you now give to a first year director? I would say got three things. Um, find the people that you can lean on and the people that you can like call in the middle of a session and just get some venting out to. And that was one of the most helpful things for me is that I have a good relationship with my manager and I would just call her um, and like just get it out. And sometimes I'd ask for advice and other times I just needed to like scream to someone because something was just frustrating and I needed to tell someone about it and be validated that it was frustrating and then, you know, like troubleshoot how I was going to fix it. Um, the other thing is keeping a list of the things that go really well, because uh, it can be tough to get into the thick of like challenges and the feedback you're getting from families and from your staff. Um, and so kind of keeping a list of like the positive moments to return to at the end of the day of like, this is going well, like the kids are having fun. These really great things are happening. Um, and the last is just to take time to enjoy camp. I think we get caught up in like answering emails and calling parents back and writing incident reports and things like that. And so uh, I was fortunately in, intentional about making time to go be out in camp. Um, I would always joke like, you know what, if there's a pool time happening, you'll find me there. And I would get in the pool and make sure some, you know, 
everyone was there or times when the whole camp was together, I tried to be present there um, and just enjoy camp and make those memories with kids and be present. And it's those things that like, when I look back on the summer, it feels like it was a fun summer and it's because I made time for those things, so. Uh, I feel like my advice, it may be, I mean, it's to myself, but also I, I think that a lot of times when people go into camp and specifically to be like a camp director, uh, your experience is on the program side of things. And so you want to give all of your attention to that. You want to enhance all of the program, but don't do it because it's a trap. Uh, you need to spend more time developing yourself as a boss, as a person, um, and learning what it means to be a manager. Because even I would say like, if you've had what has felt like managing roles before, if you're a program uh, coordinator or something like that, you're managing program, you're not managing people. And so you just need to learn how to do that. Another piece of advice that was given to me that I will pass on to all of you. I was on a call uh, with a camp director, her name's uh, Gabrielle Rail, And I was talking about my challenges of not getting out because I'd be stuck in my office, feeling that I needed to be busy here because my staff would walk by and be like, what are you doing? Like, do you not have anything else to do? That's how I felt. No one actually said that. Anyways, so her advice to me was something that she does is she has a camera because camps always need more photos for social media um, and would walk around with a camera. That would be like her reason to get out. And so if you're like me and you're very task oriented and walking aimlessly seems like a waste of time because it is, I'm, what I'm going to do this summer is just have a camera. So I'm going around, I'm taking photos for our social media, but at the same time, I'm supervising staff, I'm checking in with them, I'm checking in with campers and engaging with them. And the third piece of advice is something that was given to me uh, when I first started as a director. Um, an old director that I worked for had an incident happen in their camp. Well, actually outside of their camp, but their camp was impacted where there were a group of boys that had drowned while on a school trip. And she just reminded me that my job is to keep people safe. That's my number one job. Uh, it, it's easy to get caught up in the fun of what a program can be or what a game can look like or whatever, but just making sure that you have that, that safety hat on and that you're making sure that it's safe. Awesome. I use the, I use the camera trick, by the way, I have for years. It, it helps tremendously too, because then also to campers aren't just like, what are you doing around here? It gives you a reason to interact with the campers um, or like touch base with staff if you need to. Whereas the staff don't think you're just wandering around and just aimlessly checking in um, or ingenuous, in, ingenuous, I don't even know if that's a word, but not genuinely <laughs> checking in with them and just checking in to check in just because it's a, a tick off your checklist. Um, Kurt, who runs the Scamp Life Programming Side podcast, one piece he always said was if staff think you're not getting out enough to bring your computer outside, even if it's just right outside the office so that they can see you're doing your work. So if you are fortunate enough to have a laptop to bring that just even right outside the office so you can still reach the Wi-Fi um, and get work done just so they can see you. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are really great. Yeah. I mean, our office here, um, you guys can kind of see behind me on this call, but there is 10 chairs in here. Uh, so there, this office is always very full of all of our like program and lead support team. So they're usually like, they're crazy busy, you know, making a schedule or planning a game or whatever. And so they are kind of, I felt like they were looking at me like, why aren't you busy? Um, so I was doing things that weren't very important, uh, if I'm going to be honest, uh, to try and make myself look busy. But now I can walk around with a camera and suddenly I look busy. So 
it's good in, advice. In, invest in a decent one if you can, because your social media and your parents will thank you. <laughs> awesome. Natalie, do you have any other questions or anything for Sammy and Jonathan? No, just thank you guys for sticking through it this summer and chatting with us today. And you know, I love catching up with you and seeing how your summer is going. And we're again, we're always here to help. If you have questions, use us as a resource. We'd be happy to to give you any advice we can. Yeah, I appreciate you guys coming back um, as well. I I remember when I was in the crazy listening to every camp podcast possible mode. I was looking for something about being a first-time camp director and there was nothing, right? So this is definitely like filling a, a, a slot of like, yeah, a need anyways in the podcast world because I'm crazy with podcasts. And I don't and know if there's many books out there either, but yeah. Yeah. And you still have to come down and visit us, Jonathan, so we can take you to a college football game. Oh my. <laughs> I was thinking about it and you were talking about how it's still warm here and all this stuff. <laughs> we, it, it's, we did this, we did, we went and seen family uh, in Ontario and it, people don't really understand the size of Canada. Um, so we're like about halfway through Canada and Ontario is at the East end, but not all the way East. It was like a 35 hour drive with our children. We have a three-year-old and Oof. an under uh, like a 20 month old. And my wife is pregnant. She's like 22 weeks pregnant. We did 35 hours there and then 35 hours back. And now I'm looking at you guys. I'm like, I could have driven South would have been like half the time I could have gotten a college football game. I wouldn't have had to deal with my family. Sorry, family. Like, it would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. Anyways, maybe 2023. We'll see. I'll talk to my maybe. wife. We'll see what we can figure out. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for coming on and kind of recapping your summer, good, bad, and ugly with us. We appreciate having you both on. Um, we'll make sure to put both Sammy and Jonathan's email in the show notes so that if you have questions for them or if there's any first time directors listening and they need a, a shoulder to cry on, all four of us are willing to be that person. Um, but thank you again, and we will see you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.